Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. It is uh, Wednesday again. (laughs) Um, It is one o'clock and that beautiful laugh is from my wife (laughs) who is back. It's not dubbed in. Yeah, she's here. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood live on a Wednesday and... um, We'll start with our prayer before we get started on what yes, we're talking about absolutely, today. Absolutely, absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Hey, yeah, we're... In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you. I know. Thank you for your patience in my uh, new work chaos. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did a keeping it real Wednesday with uh, Thaddeus this morning and said, I just hate to tell you that it doesn't slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, it's uh, Thaddeus is here with us and, and, and he'll be, uh, he'll be jumping in, I'm sure as, as, as things come up. But at the end of the show last week, a great comment came in from one of our listeners, um, Regarding this, if if you listened last week, we talked about um, about the role of suffering, why bad things happen to good people, and why sometimes good things happen to bad people, and how that all plays itself out in day to day life. I just wanted to add that the text from the listener that came in is a really brilliant re- listener, one of the best listeners we <laughs> yeah. have, one of the most amazing. Hi, Robin. <laughs> You heard it here first, right? Uh, but but she made she made a great point because it's true, and she talked about that's why we've got to allow our children sometimes to go through suffering and not do that. And so that kind of springboard that was literally the last thirty seconds of the show, and as a result of that, I, I thought it was time again to bring up helicopter parenting, and, and primarily from this standpoint. Because yeah, yeah, we, have we, sound the, we, <laughs> we don't have any sound effects. I I'd never realized. I mean, apparently that term was coined like in the late '60s. I guess it shouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> it sounds like something. I thought it was a relatively new term, but maybe it's just regained, um, or maybe it did, never took on. And now that person, whoever wrote that, was ahead of her or his time. But but it does it does happen that helicopter parenting is when you know parents are hover over their children and kind of protect them or get them out of the way or take care of things that that the kids ought to I, I as I read up on it what I found is is that typically while they say it's not limited to typically when somebody's talking about it they're they're talking about late high school age to college age children the parents of those that age now they said it wasn't limited to that but that typically when it's when when you hear a helicopter parent you you're speaking about older children maybe even children that have moved on um i think actually the whole process of how you look at parenting 
is going to have an impact. So you'll have, have characteristics as a young parent that can begin to work its way towards being a helicopter la- parent later. I and mean, there's things that I can't, I mean, my mom was pretty protective of me and she did a lot of things for me, but she never went and argued with a professor over a grade when I was in college. You know, I've heard, actually heard people say that that, that does happen. Um, have ha- have had people say that parents, that's what we're talking about. But I think this is fitting for all parents because I think it's really important that we know the difference between being a good parent who sets limits and being a helicopter parent who over protects. And I think, you know, it's the, (laughs) the old, um, uh, you know, adage of, of you know, your, your child best. I mean, you, hopefully you are praying for and with and through, (laughs) um, your children and, and, and along with your husband and um, making decisions together for what is best for each child. So there may be some stages where your parenting may sort of look helicopterish. <laughs> right. And, and you can't, and again, that's part of what I think is yeah. really important for parents to understand there, there is a difference. You can, you can misdefine your terms and, and you can begin to feel because maybe there are parents who are far from helicopter parents that don't set limits that you're being a helicopter parent. And I think it's very important. And this is show is meant to encourage you to set limits, setting limits properly understood in the right context with the right kids in the right circumstances is never helicopter parenting. Right. Well, and that's, I think, where I was kind of going with this was that in, you know, in keeping with our funnel that we always use. And if right. there are any of you listeners that don't know out there what, what we, um, you know, how, how we kind of visualize our parenting, and this is totally simplifying parenting, but, you know, if you think about your parenting when your kids are young, you're at the bottom of that funnel, the most constricted part of the funnel. That's when you, you know, unfortunately, a lot of what you're doing is probably somewhat helicopterish because that's a heavy teaching age of right and wrong and safety and yes and no's. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, but then you, what you're wanting to do is move that child through that funnel. And again, just that picture of the funnel opening up. And the edge of that funnel being the limits that you're setting. Right. And in, in the context of the real world, which represents everything outside that funnel, right? That they could have access to, because at some point they're going to spill over the funnel and be out, <laughs> right? And that's and that's we're so, moving them towards that, right? And that's and that's important to remember. But I mean, there's a verse that I that that came to mind as we do. It says, "For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery." So. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Galatians 5.1, stand firm. So it sounds, we, we have such a, a mistaken understanding in this culture of what freedom is. Freedom is not in and of itself being, it's not, it's not licensed to do whatever I want. Freedom is the ability to do what I ought to do. So you simultaneously, just in that statement, understand that freedom is something that we have some ability to, to make some choices, to do some things, but it's always in the context of what I ought to do. There's something that ought to be done. And we have to raise our kids with that understanding of freedom, not the world's understanding of being licensed. So if you have limits, that does not mean you're anti-freedom. <laughs> you have limits because limits are necessary for everybody, if we've talked about this before, I mean, if you didn't have the rules that said, you know, in this country, we drive on the right side of the road and you could just go willy nilly wherever you want and that you need to drive under in certain circumstances under 75 miles an hour to be safe. If you didn't have those rules, you would not be free. Freedom is gained and lived out within the confines of a playing field of sorts. That makes that Steph. I mean, so what's, what we're saying is I want to make, and we want to make you who listen out there understand that setting limits 
is not equal to being a helicopter parent. All right. I do believe that it is the proper way. And I believe that from a sacramental standpoint, that if we're like God, if we look at it, he, he started off in the Old Testament with a bunch of rules, the thou shalt nots. And then he moved in Christ to freedom within the thou shalt nots. When he came for freedom, he didn't, those thou shalt nots, those limit setters did not go away. It's just in the context, if you live positively in that freedom, then you would never do those things. So if I love my wife, I don't necessarily have to have the, the, the commandment that says thou shalt not commit adultery to do that. Right. I mean, so you can, but it's good to know that that's not, that's something we shouldn't be doing. And it certainly didn't go away. Christ didn't come to say, Oh sure. Whatever you want. It's what you ought to do. And so we move to a freedom within the context of what we ought to do. And so I think we're going to kind of run these up against that. There, there were several articles, one that I thought, hey, you know, how do you avoid being a helicopter parent? And I think we've kind of already just touched on it, but I'm going to use this Dr. Gilboa. And I think it's a good thing. He is, to my knowledge, I don't have any idea about what his faith background is, but I think that this is a perfectly Catholic way of looking at parenting. I'm just going to read it. And maybe, Steph, if you think what what your thoughts are I on it. Says, I will chime in. All right. It says, as parents, we have a very difficult job. Yeah. <laughs> For any of y'all out there, newsflash. Yeah. Parenting yeah, is hard. It's hard. <laughs> all right. We have a difficult job, Dr. Goboa says. Thanks for that great insight. <laughs> but we need to keep one eye on our children now, their stressors, strengths, emotions, etc., and one eye on the adults we are trying to raise. Getting them from here to there involves some suffering, for our kids as well as for us. <laughs> I, I I honestly that's beautiful. I think it's yeah. beautiful. I think it, I think it is a, it is dead on right that that's the that is the struggle. The struggle is we're attempting to raise adults. That's that's what we're trying to do, but we have to work in the confines of where we find ourselves with our kids. And I think helicopter parents never get to the point where they're saying, I'm trying to raise an adult. And what does an adult mean? An adult means a person who is outside the funnel that we've set up and has begun, we've always tell our kids, you go out, that doesn't mean the funnel goes away. It just means that you have to be the one that sets the funnel. You have to be the one that sets the limits within which you're going to live with freedom. And hopefully as good Christian Catholics, that would at a minimum be the Ten Commandments, but but other things that we've raised them to understand that they can well, make and you, decisions. You know, the the funnel always exists. I mean, there is, even though it's wishy washy, there is a societal funnel. I mean, absolutely, we do have we do have some laws and <laughs> rules that you know uh, that that obviously are are uh, you know set up by the establishment that we have to respect, whether we agree with them or not. And, and um, but they just shows you you have right. To, so there's always. A funnel of sorts, um, you know, whether it's parental or your own, um, your own doing or our society. So we all have to live within, you know, the means of rules. There right. are rules everywhere we go. <laughs> right. And so I think that 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 comment, I think, is really the tension that we should feel. It's kind of the cross that we as parents and our children have to deal with is this tension between who they are, where they are now, what circumstances, what gifts and talents they have within the context of our family and whatever structures they function in, schools, teams, et cetera. And then at the same time say, okay, from within that kind of, what are we trying to get them to be like as adults? How can we help them use where they are to begin to cultivate and kind of make grow through those circumstances, the adult we intend them to be. And so I think what that looks like <clears throat> from a very, um, you know, I guess where we are right now, it's, it's a, it's a really fun place to be because there's a lot of big things that we, um, 
get to go through with our children. And so it looks a lot more like discipleship as they do get older because you're walking through them with situ- in situations and hopefully you're teaching them how to address the situation. So praying about it, praying about it with them, having them pray about it, having them journal about it, um, finding verses. My kids' mirrors are full of sticky notes and things with, you know, with verses and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, so, so you're, you're walking along with them as they, um, the, the age and stage that we are, um, sort of planting questions and guiding, um, guiding them to help them make those decisions. And I think that's where helicopter parents get it wrong is that they're making the decisions and stepping in for the child. Now, that is not to say that we have never stepped in for a child. We have. It has been rare, but we have given them the tools and the words to handle the situation themselves at this age and stage. Um, and then if that doesn't work, you know, we've we've gone to bat for them and with them. Um, and it's usually been with them. Um, but so, I, you know, it's like you said, being you need to be careful with that with the helicopter parent term because it, it, you know at a young age it's gonna. I mean, obviously, uh, you're not a helicopter parent if you grab your child's arm when they're about to run out into the street. I mean, you, right. know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, so the, you have to watch and if the you're, legalism. And if you're walking that, along a highway, <laughs> be a helicopter parent <laughs> yeah, yeah. with a young with a young child. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because that's part of what has to happen. You have to right. you have to look at the situation that they're in. Right. 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 So. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, keeping, I think that's the, to me, that so spoke to me about his, you know, keeping the eye on the child that you have now and the adult you want them to be. Uh, you know, when you think about our kids out in this world and we have two now, um, you know, beyond our, beyond our doors that are living beyond our doors. I mean, you, you're, you don't, you, there's no way to equip them for every situation they will encounter. I mean, right. it's just, it's impossible. Um, but what you want to equip them with is how, sort of a, a paradigm, if you will, of how, how do you do this? What, you know, how, what do you do in, in situations? And, and there is sort of a, a cookie. I mean, you want to be praying about that. You want them to be prayerful and what, um, to think, think through what you're up, brainstorm. What are your options? Yeah. You know, what, right. are, what are the, what are the pros and cons? I mean, things that any adult would hopefully be able to do is what you want to teach. So use the situation to do it. I think it's critical. And I think the idea of being on a road, on a road, the highway with a three or four year old, you would hover over them. If you wouldn't pick them up and carry them, you have to evaluate a couple things. What is the worst potential thing that could happen as a result of giving them a choice? Well, if they're walking along the road and they choose to walk out into the middle of the road, (laughs) They're dead. That's a big deal. <laughs> so you would want to do that. So you have to you have to look at what 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 in the context of what's going on is what is the worst consequence that could happen to the child or teen as it is. That's number one, right? And then with that, number two, if I let them are do they have the capacity or the capability have they do they have the tools available or or have I educated them on the tools available to them to walk through making a decision and to perform an action in other words if we're talking about the road and you've taught them that okay at this light there's a walkover and if you go up there and you push a button then you will get a signal that says to walk across you could walk them up there, protect them, but say, okay, look, push the button. Now we're going to we'll look at the look at the sign up there. And when you see the white person walking across, you know, the white light that says walk across, that's when you walk. It's safe to walk. You can allow them to do that and be there along with them. So you could walk along with them. That's not being a helicopter parent. That's being a what what I think is the most important thing we're we're meant to be, they're meant to be our apprentice. <laughs> we're, we're we're they're meant to be somebody who is who we're teaching with the expectation that they're going to have to do the things that we're trying to train them to do 
on their own at some point. And the only way, the only way that that can happen is if we walk them through it. So we have to look at, are they old enough to actually handle it? So if I had a four-year-old and we, or a five-year-old and we were at pre-K and there was something the teacher was doing that we thought was inappropriate, I might, I probably would not tell my five-year-old, okay, you need to address your, (laughs) I mean, I, I wouldn't go through the same thing in the context. If I'm concerned about it at that point, it's not being a helicopter parent to go up there and say, I'm concerned about this that you're teaching or this way you're handling this situation. That's not being a helicopter. Why? Because they don't have the tools to do it. And if it's something that, I, that, that I'm concerned about, it, it's something that needs to be addressed. However, as they grow older, you have to look at the situation, but look for the opportunities, if they're in school, to be able to say, okay, can I help equip them and then send them like an apprentice out there? You go do it. This is how you would talk to them. Here are some possibilities about how the teacher might respond. Here are your answers. Can we can model it? We can practice it. Mm-hmm. Do some role playing. Do some role playing and then send them out. Do not be there. And then get a report, a debriefing. Maybe if you're good if you're good enough, go talk to the teacher. But again, and we've done this before, we have to look and see well what happened. Because if the person that's on the other end of that, the teacher, does not handle it as if they were talking to somebody who's an adult in the making and instead treats them in a way that we might have to intervene at that point, but we may not. And that's where it comes in. The, the intention must be we're moving towards freedom. The intention must be we're moving towards them handling it themselves standing up for themselves, advocating for themselves, knowing how to do it in the context when I'm the subordinate to another. Guess what? That's the rest of your life. I mean, that, that is, you're preparing them when you do that. But to handle that for them all the way up through high school and college is not preparing them for the fact that someday they're going to have to deal with a boss or a coworker or a situation that, All those things were given to you in the context of day-to-day life. Those are the opportunities to do it. So we as parents have to pray about it. We have to walk through it and say, okay, do we think that we can handle it? it, Are they going to – what's the worst thing they can do if they go talk to a a teacher? Teacher is going to treat them like a little kid, go shut up and go sit down. I'm not talking to you, you know, because you're just a kid. Just do what I say. That would be an instance where we'd get that back and we might go up there and say, look, we, we, we wanted the child to handle it this way. But we, want it, we have to move them towards handling things themselves. Well, guess what? It, <laughs> it can hurt. And as a parent, it can be a little scary to send your kids out into that. But if you don't do it now, there's going to be a circumstance when they're 20 or 22 that if you haven't walked them through it, there's a problem. They don't, they don't have the life skill to be able to do that. I don't know if any thoughts on, on that. No. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just walking, you know, walking alongside. Um, and, and like you said, it is, it is very scary to, you know, cause you, you want, you know how you want someone to respond to your child, but um, it doesn't always happen that way. But so I think it's just age and stage, um, you know, prayerfulness, purposefulness. I mean, um, that's where you and your husband are, you know, are and just, it's a great, y'all are, you know, together you're a great tool um, for your kids, but there is that follow-up as well. So that I you mean, can, And I think the know. answer is you got to push the envelope in, to, in other words, you always need to be looking for, is this an opportunity to do it? In other words, and typically the time to do it is going to, you're not going to necessarily feel completely comfortable. I mean, I wasn't comfortable. I mean, even as they get older, you're not, you're like, okay, I'm handing this person. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm saying encouraging them to go talk to somebody as an adult, knowing that this is how I hope they would respond. This is how I would respond, but not really knowing 
how they're going to, that's a little scary. We have to push past the scariness. We have to ask, well, what's the worst case that could happen? Is it going to totally shatter them? And do they have the tools? Have we prepared them with how to do it? So I I have a fun little story that just came to mind. Very recent story. Our daughter has transferred here to A&M. And uh, it is, um, it was very difficult going from a small college where you're very well known and very comfortable to come to this huge university that, um, you know, even though she's from here, it's everything's new and everything's different and everything's very big. Um, And she was unable to get the amount of classes that she needed. And we kept, you know, we just were encouragers and cheerleaders and kept you know, a little guidance saying, well, you need to talk to the counselor to send, go where the counselor sends you. And, um, you know, just, you got to get in there and fight. I mean, you know, you got to get in there and, 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 um, and advocate for yourself. And so she, um, the counselor gave her an option that she went to, that she went to, to look into seeking, um, another class from a, a minor. Well, um, there were some rules surrounding this, this minor and she broke, I mean, she had, she broke all of them. There was no way that, you know, I mean, he, he said, I'm sorry, this is, this is just not going to work. You've got too many hours and you don't have, you're going to have too many hours by the time you have enough hours from A&M <laughs> is basically what the gist was. Well, I think it was basically the straw that broke the camel's back and she cried <laughs> and she called us and said, and I just broke down and cried. And then I said, you know what, Madison, that's okay. I mean, that's okay. You, you know, you, you did what you could, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, as, we, as, as, as God would have it, the man, the only man I know that's into the details, about two <laughs> weeks after that meeting with this counselor, she gets a phone call back from, uh, an email back from this counselor saying he wants to meet with her again. And she's aggravated and like, it's going to be a waste of my time. And why do I have to? And I said, he's emailed you, respond to him, go visit with him, you know, see what's going on. And she walks into the, me- into the meeting with him and he says, you're in, you're, I've gotten you in to our program. And she said, what? <laughs> and he said, you're, you're, you're going to be able to, to take this minor and here's the story. And it was basically a beautiful story of relationships that he went home and talked to his wife about this sweet young lady that he had made cry. So if she hadn't cried, he would have never brought it up to her wife. And the wife ends up knowing our father-in-law. And so it was just, um, they, they, you know, but again, you know, made some exceptions and, <laughs> and a, it was, I mean, you know, but she walked through those doors and it didn't look like it was going to work out and God totally worked out all and the that, details. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's really important because, but I also like to point out that when I heard her crying as a parent, <laughs> I wanted to go, well, tell me who the guy is and I'm going to go up there and handle it. And I had to say, okay, I'm okay. It's not my place to do that. I mean, all he was doing was his job. Is it fair? I don't think so. But he's just doing his job. It's not like he did anything to her, uh, and it wasn't a dangerous situation, which is where I'd go and do it. But even at 20 years old, as a parent of a child, you have to fight the instinct to go. You have to ask yourself, is what the person doing just something that I don't agree with, but really is not, you know, causing harm to our daughter, you know, you know, something that's dangerous. And when you really step back and look at it, it's just a rule. Unfortunately, there are lots of rules in life that we don't like, don't agree with, wish was different. And there's really nothing you can do about it other than pray and think that God's going to do that. So she got to learn that lesson, but we as parents, as a twenty, as a fifty-two-year-old dad of a twenty-year-old, um, I had to fight to not say, "Give me that dadgum guy's number," <laughs> you know. I think that's partly being a good parent <laughs> in terms of wanting to defend your daughter, but you have to look at the situation and say, "Is this it?" I mean, it happens in if they play athletics or anything else. I've I've noticed that. You really have to ask the question, why am I getting involved as a parent? What, what is the point of getting involved? And I think the only times that you should, and you need to really be critical of yourself, the answer should be, I'm going to try not to get involved <laughs> unless the circumstance is going to cause some sort of 
um, damage to the, to the child and the and the adult involved on the other end is not handling it like an adult. So I, as an adult, need to get involved to handle it. But we have to check that against why are they doing what they're doing? If they're doing it because there's rules that say this is the rule, then you've got to back off. They're just following what they've been told or whatever, whether you disagree with that or not. you got to accept it. But if they're doing something that either breaks the rules or really is an injustice, I mean a real injustice, um, then then get involved. So I don't know if that gives us any parameters, but I do think it's really important that we really dig into this and look at how do you make the distinction between am I, am I just hovering over them or am I getting involved at the most appropriate times? So I say always err towards allowing them to handle it themselves. That should be the first. I'm gonna, I, I want, the first thing should be I want my child to handle it themselves. But then I think you have to look at does, she have, does he or she have the capability to do it? Do they have the tools to do it? Is the circumstance one that is safe for them to do it other than maybe getting their feelings hurt? And if all those things are in line, then you just help them and, and send them out there to kind of run the play. I think the coaching um, simile <laughs> metaphor, yeah, metaphor. <laughs> works pretty well. You know, you kind of coach them, you kind of walk them through what might happen, but then you eventually have to send them out there and actually have to deal with, let them deal with a situation on their own and then come back to the sideline and say, well, okay, so how did that go? <laughs> you know, what was good? What was bad? And I think that's the thing a lot of times that we forget, you know, we get busy, we send them out, we do the thing and it's done and okay, oh, the check next, you know, but to come back to that wrap up, so to speak, and, and, you know, no um, coach would ever not watch the film. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> you, so you, ha while you can't watch the film, you do need to get, so what did she say? Or what did this teacher say? Okay. Now, how did you respond to that? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you might have tweaked that a little bit. When we had that you know. exact situation, I think, with um, with one of the kids in school is that we sent him, you know, in to talk to the teacher. And, and it kind of, you know, it, I think it, it got to where we got involved. And I think the piece that we were missing was that he really had not been able to go and say everything that he needed to say. So there was kind of a, a, a step that got skipped. You know, I think we may not have had to have gotten involved if we'd have done a better job of kind of the debriefing and said, okay, wait a minute, you did not, you, you went and tried to talk to her, but you didn't say everything you needed to say. You, you've got to go and advocate for yourself and really talk Explain. to them about what that means. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, I think that's the piece that's really important is to make sure And if sure you don't, you, you miss it. You will miss it. Yeah. I mean, because we did on that one. And we did yeah. go get involved with the teacher because we felt like he did hadn't handled it and that she really needed – there was information that she needed to right. know right. that we were past the point of allowing him because she had basically said it's done, that's – all there is, and we had to go and say, wait a second, there's some information that you really need. So that, you know, you get involved when it's at a stopping point or something was not handled the way it should have been handled. That does not mean that it worked out the way you wanted it to work out. It, it means that it was not handled appropriately or something was missing from the equation. So, I don't know, did, did, did you have? Well, I had an interesting question to pose. Um, I have a a friend who said essentially his his philosophy towards this question kind of is to to avoid helicopter parenting is basically to assume the assume the kid probably probably messed it up assume the kid probably probably oh, didn't didn't do things the right way assume that the the teacher or the coach or whatnot is in the right is correct and and start from there and then investigate to see what's actually going going on rather than assuming my child is right my child deserves to have things go you know their way and I, then you that leads you into kind of taking the reins too much from your from your kid i i, I what do you think I, about that I, 
personally disagree with with that. I, I can see why you do it. I, I just we're engaged with our kids, and I always say you you guys know right from wrong. All right. So if you tell me the truth, and I listen to you, and I find that there's something wrong with you or something wrong with the way you, the handled, way you handled it, I'm going yeah. to tell you and point it out. Right. But if you've told every, everything to me, I'm always going to assume that you did things the way you were raised to do them. <laughs> That's, I mean, my expectation is, because I think if you assume that and your kids know that you assume that, then they're, they have no, I'm going to say, my name, the cash and name is on you. Your, your mother and I's name, you're carrying out there. So my expectation of you is you will do things right all the time. You may not. And we have to be able to talk, and part of your job is to say, you know, I didn't handle that very well. That's the adult thing to do. I didn't do it very well. But if you come to me and walk me through it, I'm going to always assume the opposite of what he's saying. I'm going to assume that you handled it appropriately. However... I am going to stand up for the position of authority <laughs> that exists whether I like the person or not, whether I think the person. So I'm going to say you owe that position, that teacher, that coach, that principal. So you begin to teach them that you can do everything right and somebody in authority can still choose not to handle it appropriately. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> I mean, that's mm -hmm. it. But as a parent, I want my kids to know mom and dad have got my back. Not meaning they're going to jump in the middle of everything, but right. if if I have done things the way I've been taught to do it and I can express that to them, then then my assumption as a parent is always, I expect you to do the right thing all the time. I know you're not going to do it all the time. We're sinful. But my expectation is that you've got to be able to come to me or to your mother, and explain what happened, what could you have done differently, what, and walk them through that. I think the problem is, is with the assumption is of the opposite, personally, is that you're setting the standard low and your kids don't feel like you're backing them. Mm -hmm. And I think you can lose them if they don't know, I've got it, but you've got to be able to walk that tightrope of you have to respect the, the the authority the position period which is catholics we have we, we have to say you have to it doesn't matter if they're not a nice person you have to respect the position but at the same time you know they've got to know that what you taught me i handled it this way and if i did that then mom and dad We'll get but what a huge life lesson, too, in that um, because, you know, I mean, not every situation that we've gotten involved in has been handled the way we would have handled it and had nope. the outcome that we would have liked to have had. However, and that's the first thing I thought of when you when you said that, Thaddeus, was the, the respect, um, you know, because you, you are teaching your children that sometimes you can have done the right thing and, and you are right. And it, and even trying to go fix it, it doesn't get resolved, and and the outcome is not what you want. But respect is still owed to that authority, and that's a huge, huge life lesson, I think, because it teaches you that you know if there's an injustice, you need to try to go fix it. But sometimes life isn't fair, and it doesn't work out the way we hope. And it causes suffering, and I yeah. and I, I so. Yeah, let's, talk, I, let's talk about the biggest injustice. <laughs> right, yeah. A man on a cross that did absolutely exactly. nothing put it in, but put it loved in the people. Yeah. yeah, put it in the context. Yes. That, I mean, you're, you're in good company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that, you know, I tell you, if the the cross is the answer to every question, when you don't have the answer, the, the, cross, the is cross is the answer. I mean, because if you look at that crucifix, I mean, there is there is not a bit of justice in that. That is... You know, that's total unconditional love, and there is no, there, there, there's no argument for you know, there, there, there's no logical argument. He did not for that. get what he he did not <laughs> he get did anything not, yeah. that he deserved. In fact, he got the exact opposite of what he deserved. Right. And so we're in good company. And I think again, that's what the person points. It involves some suffering, and mm -hmm. 
and even some suffering for us. But I think that's what that's the funny thing is that helicopter parents and lawnmower parents, the new the newest term, you know, um, that's what they're trying to avoid is they're trying to avoid suffering, which, of course, all of us as parents would not like our children to have to suffer. But suffering is part of the world. It's part of it's part of our fallen nature. And it's what you do with that suffering. I, I, I hate that we're trying to sweep it under the rug and get rid of it because, I mean, right. there's... So you teach a, teach a morning yes, offering and, yes. and, and that you can offer up. You give them the verses. You know, I rejoice now in my sufferings for I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ or in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his church. You, you give them the verse. You say mm-hmm. that that can be done. The other thing is, is that suffering in most cases will make you stronger. <laughs> I mean, I had a good friend that always said, you know how you make a plant grow? You put poop on it. <laughs> you know, that that's, I mean, bad things. Or you cut it. Or you something, cut it back. Or you cut it back. <laughs> I mean, all the things that are there um, point to the fact that suffering is something that can, can always be used for some good, some that we may actually see and others that we may not. And I think that's another thing. I think you brought up a point with regard to helicopter parenting that I think was really important in the text you sent earlier about the fact that that so much of this is like just in the context of day-to-day normal, you know, going to school, dealing with friends, kind of the external, visible, tangible world and and that we also have to remember there's an invisible side to this which all too frequently we we don't hover enough we don't teach yeah. enough not that we're saying be helicopter parents of that because like you like you said in your text th- there is the concern you don't want to be overbearing on them you want it to be theirs as well right. but you have to make the effort to help walk them through well, what spiritually can you gain from this in addition to how we handled this? What can you do when you have an injustice done to you that you've tried to rectify? We've told you you've done everything right, but guess what? Situation hasn't changed. It's not going to change. This is it. So what do you do with that? Right. There are spiritual blessings that can come and that you can do by having an understanding of uniting our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. And I think that's something we have to actually teach. Yeah, I think especially that comes to to bear in um, the spiritual life of your children and prayer. Right. Just in, um, should you be, uh, when they're 14, I mean, should you be hovering over them every night to make sure that they say their prayers before they go to bed? Probably not. I mean, I'm not there yet, so I don't know. Maybe maybe so, I don't know. But you probably you should be um, giving them a lot of, modeling a lot of different ways to access the spiritual life. I have a lot of different modes Absolutely. of prayer, a lot of different times of prayer, a lot of different things to pray about and people to pray for and just making that you rich have to work ground it. of right. and, and that's right. probably not you're probably not I don't know if you could helicopter in that aspect. Right, I think the yeah. only thing is you. No, I agree. They have I to agree. make it their own. Yeah. They do have to make it their own, Eventually. and that it just can't be a. Yeah, you just have to avoid making it a command. Like, a, yeah, sti- it shouldn't be yeah, stifling or I'm gonna punish you if you don't do it. Yeah, you don't want you don't want that. But I, I think it's a really important point because, again, in the sacramental sense, in the in the mystery of parenthood, there we are always saying there's a visible side and an invisible side. Yeah. And so much of what's out there in terms of parenting, and including what we're, we've looked at here before this, has to do with the external. But that external can be united with the spiritual. And in fact, as Catholics, <laughs> our spirituality, as my professor says, should be punchable. I mean, we're human beings. So we need to recognize in the times we get punched <laughs> or the times when we have pain inflicted upon us, justly or unjustly, the opportunity to teach from a spiritual standpoint that nothing that you suffer through should ever be meaningless, should never be wasted. Right. Right. And right. I, I think, but that's the whole, I mean, I think when we all, you know, we always, we kind of throw around our little purposeful parenting quip, you know, but that's what we mean. I, I think at, at, at the end of the day is that you're taking those 
punchable, practical situations, those things that are happening to them on the playground or happening to them at the school bus stop or, um, you know, happening to them in the classroom. And you're weaving life skills with your faith. I mean, it's, you know, you're trying to teach your kids or we're trying to teach our kids that, um, that there's not a place where life starts and, you know, life ends and spirituality begins. (laughs) It's all woven together. And that's what makes life meaningful. And that's, you know, what, what makes the, the mundane, you know, holy. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to, to offer in what we're, what we've been talking about that, uh, the, the Holy Father in Amoris Laetitia, he says in 176, um, nowadays authority is often considered suspect and adults treated with impertinence. They themselves become uncertain and so fail to offer sure and solid guidance to their children, and this is an interesting point. I think he says, a reversal of the roles of parents and children is unhealthy since it hinders the proper process of development that children need to experience, <laughs> and it denies them the love and guidance needed to mature. And in a lot of ways, that's what hel- helicopter parenting is, is it's mm-hmm. a reversal of the role of parent and child. You're taking on the responsibilities that the child should properly be dispensing right. for themselves at that point. Right. And so then you're robbing them of that process of developing and growing. And that, and that's wow. where the growth comes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, he's dead on there and dead on right. And your interpretation, I think, is is exactly right. It is, we have to always challenge ourselves to say, can we give them more freedom? That's the, the, the see, I don't think it's, most parents, well, either one or two, most parents I know, they're the ones that I want to protect them I want to shelter them. I want to keep them from. And there's a place and time for it, but we have to always challenge ourselves, I think, to say, can we extend more freedom? Can we allow them to go into something? Do I feel comfortable? I have to gauge, is it? But but we always need to be challenged as parents, one another, to say, is this something that we ought to let them handle? And if if so, we need to coach them through it, not just send them out there and say, well, how to go. I mean, walk them through because we as adults know that. But we cannot raise good adults if if we have 20-year-olds or 17-year-olds that have never dealt with an unjust situation when they did everything right, that have never understood that sometimes we do screw up and the answer is to ask for forgiveness, you know, not to be protected from that. I mean, that's what we have to do. I mean, I, one of my favorite things and I, and I, that I've seen, I've had a couple kids do this, well, actually all of the ones, but you know when you're there is like one of our kids had to make, make a decision to go and tell a coach he wasn't going to play a sport anymore. And we had talked through that and prayed about it, and, and it had come to the realization it probably was a good thing that he, that he choose not to do that. And I remember as a parent going, that's a hard thing to do. And I offered, I said, do you want me to come up there with you? And he said, absolutely. I want you to come up there with me, but I need to handle this myself. And I, when that happens, then you know <laughs> you, you've, you've been had some success. God, God's grace has been there because – I wanted to go with him, and when he said, come, because I wanted to protect him from what I felt like was probably going to be a not-so-fun experience of how the coach was going to respond, which it ended up not being. And again, I had to fight. the. I wanted to go up there and tell him, what the heck are you doing? This kid came and did something that no 17-year-old that you know would do. He made the appointment. He came and talked to you by himself without a parent. But I had to bite my tongue and say, look, that's just part of life. There are people that aren't going to respond the way you want to respond. Offer it up. (laughs) Deal with it. I mean, but you as a parent, so you have to kind of, it's kind of like biting your tongue or you have to really do all you can to wait before you respond as a parent. Am I, is it, 
you know, is it something they can learn from or not? Anyway, mm-hmm. I just challenge you as parents to say, uh, moms and dads, can I let my child handle this situation? What's the worst thing that could happen? Um, and short of if they get hit by the car, they're, they're, they're going to die or, or they're going to, you know, they're, we're not going to let them go in a jungle gym because if they fall, they're going to break their leg because they're not ready to do that. I mean, those are things that you have to do, be there, you know, but always be asking, can I let them do it themselves? With that guidance and with those, with that with interaction. With guidance and interaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, it's beautiful. All right. So, um, you know, I'm back. So we have to have our memory verse. <laughs> so I think I'm going to steal your verse that you started with, Galatians 5 1. Um, again, that was for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So I just, you know, we encourage you to stand fast, Um, stand with your children, stand beside your children, Um, love them, walk them through all these situations. Um, You know, remember that we are, uh, our freedoms is not doing whatever we want to do, but doing what we ought to do. Make your children responsible for their actions. I think that's just a huge thing that's lacking. And walk them through. I've found that the kids love when you explain to them. What I'm doing is preparing you to be an adult. I, I want, we're going to go to the point where you're not going to do that. You're not going to have us hovering. Our job is to make you that. We're moving towards that. And, we're, and you just show us. We're going to be proud of you one day or right. maybe tomorrow. So, <laughs> uh, right, right. So it's good to be back. Thank you all yeah, for your so patience while we've had this change in our life. And. Um, We just always want you to remember that only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Thanks. God bless. Pray for us. We're praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.